You're listening to DraftKings Network. But they know he's box office. He's a star. Aaron Rodgers is a star in the biggest market in the country. They're going to focus on that. I would think Aaron's going to have a camera 24-7 on him. Edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. I am your host, Andrew Brand. I've been away. We didn't have one last week. A little vacation. Got to Colorado. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, we are produced, as always, by Jack Connell. The music you hear under us, my son. I just spent two weeks with him. Sam Brandt. Follow him at Boy Blue Tunes for all the greatest music. And, of course, we are presented, as always, by DraftKings. Yeah, coming off a couple weeks. Vacations are nice. I like to think my life is a vacation, not because I'm going to sun-soaked or mountainous locations all the time, but I think vacation is really a state of mind. What I'm able to do with my life is really optimize for time management and autonomy. So I think if you can live your life in a way that you control, you have agency over when you do things and what you do, and ideally with the people you want to be doing them with, that's a vacation. That's life. That's happiness. And I've optimized for that in my life where I can, I have a lot of gigs. I have a full-time professor job. Obviously it's off in the summer and uh, I can pretty much coordinate what times I go in during the year, my teaching and my meetings with students really according to my schedule. And then of course my media gigs like this podcast, like column, like a newsletter, pretty much when I want to do them. So I like to think my life is kind of a vacation, not in sort of traditional terms. But if you can do what you want, when you want with the people you want to do it with, that's that's vacation. That's working well. Uh, it was great being out in Colorado. We were bouncing around a lot of different places. The uh, area near Denver, the Golden area, area, uh, Colorado Springs area, where the Olympic teams train, the Air Force, and a, and a lot of time in Crested Butte area. So saw a lot of people, a lot of times without cell service, a lot of people that really didn't care about sports news, about business news, about news news, about politics. Their life is full certainly without that. It's always good to see, especially when you drive through these places, as I said, without internet or spotty at best, and they're happy. They're doing what they want to do. I remember this town, um, it's sort of, you keep going past Crusty Butte down this bumpy dirt road. It looks like the road to nowhere. And then there's this little town, like it's beautiful, little town, a couple, couple shacks and all these people kind of in the woods or in the grass fields or in the trees, like doing some kind of Rocky mountain biological thing. I'm like, Whoa, this no internet service. They kind of had a mess hall. I'm like, okay, these people are happy. You know, they're they're people that live in their lives. We get so caught up in things. Um, So I guess my point is sort of let the, let the summer flow for you guys. I know everyone's got different responsibilities. 
But if you have an ability to take advantage of things where you can sort of not, not necessarily unplug, but um, ratchet it down and maybe live your life a little more like that, where you don't have to, as I wrote about this in my newsletters the past couple of weeks, I think people spend way too much time on news and that could be sports news, business news, politics news. It's the same. <laughs> it doesn't change that much. It really doesn't. So, you know, these people, I, you know, again, I don't want to cast aspersions, but they sit there and they watch, whether it's CNN or MSNBC or Fox, it doesn't matter which delineation, but it doesn't change and it doesn't serve you or sports or they watch these sports shows during the day or like it doesn't change. It's made up news most of the time just to get some clicks or get some viewers. Like I know I'm, you know, maybe sounding like an old man here, but I think I'm sounding like someone who wants to live a better life. Like don't, what I do with news is every now and then I'll see it's top of the hour. I'll check in on either uh, NPR top of the hour news or sports center top of the hour news. And I got it. That's done. That's all I need for the day. Um, and in my world, you know, I'll go a little closer on stories that I think are interesting in my newsletter and everything else. But that's my little rant to start it. Like, enjoy life. Don't don't let the phone especially control you. You control the phone. You control the phone. So for anyone who hasn't done this, please turn off all notifications. You'll find out. <laughs> You'll find out. You'll get it within minutes or an hour at the latest. You'll know. Turn it off because chances are you'll be in the middle of a conversation. You'll be in the middle of something important or something that where you're focusing on someone else and that will pop up. Ignore that. I don't have any buzzes on my phone. I don't have any dings on my phone. No, there's no reason is only going to interrupt something you're doing, right? The phone should work for you. Put it down. When you need it, pick it up. <laughs> Don't let it buzz you. Don't let it ding you. Don't let it vibrate you. Don't let it control you. You control it. Okay, on the sports rants. All right, we're going to first talk about my old friend Aaron Rodgers. The NFL has picked the New York Jets as the team for hard knocks starting, I guess, like next week, and they will invade the New York Jets summer training camp with their cameras, HBO will, and we'll see it for the next five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks. A few things some note here. Number one, nobody wants to do, nobody wants to do this, right? Nobody wants hard knocks. No football people in the NFL want to do hard knocks. There is no value. Now, I know some teams have lesser profiles and lesser marketing abilities, so it could be good to get out there and show their face and hard knocks. And maybe that was true for the Lions last year or the Bengals in the past or whoever. But the Jets don't need that. These teams don't need that. And they're doing it because they have to. I don't know what the formula is. The NFL came down to three or four teams that would, quote unquote, have to do it. And they settled on the Jets or the Jets were the only one to agree. But listen, nobody likes this. Nobody likes doing hard knocks. When I was at the Packers, I was there 10 years. They didn't call every year, but they called. As vice president of the Packers, I heard from the NFL 
three or four times saying, hey, would you consider hard knocks this summer? And I would go to a meeting with the GM, with the president, whatever. And before I could get the word, get to the word knocks, the answer was no, with exclamation points. We're not doing that. Why would we do that? From a football operations point of view, you're, you're sacrificing secrecy. You're sacrificing uh, privacy. There are cameras in there. You have to look up, is it camera on? And they have to set up and not set up. It's like, no, nobody wants that. <laughs> and cutting players, very sensitive times. And, you know, cutting out, trying to keep out all the, the, the play calling and all the stuff that no coach or GM ever wants out there. They don't want that. No football operation wants that. And from a marketing side, as I said, maybe some teams are like that. Maybe some people at the Packers wanted that. But at the end of the day, we said, hey, the Packers are one of the top brands in sports. We have a 60-year waiting list for tickets. Why do we need that? Who needs that? Nobody wants to do hard knocks. We never wanted to do it. It was always a hard no. And, of course, the Packers have never been on it. And if it's up to them, they never will be on it. And always a good team, which prevents, it gives them reason to say no. So anyway, uh, that's the reality. Now, this hard knocks, say what you want about Aaron Rodgers. He's a big reason. You know, they're not doing this with the New York Jets, the NFL, NFL Films, HBO picking the Jets without Aaron Rodgers. No way. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the star. And the people that are picking Aaron Rodgers for this broadcast probably disagree with him about psychedelics, about the vaccines, about a lot of things. But they know he's box office. He's a star. Aaron Rodgers is a star in the biggest market in the country. They're going to focus on that. I would think Aaron's going to have a camera 24-7 on him. Yeah, sure, there are other stories, the young players like Garrett Wilson and, you know, but hey. And the, the Zach Wilson story is, is demoted. And is he ever going to come back there or anywhere else? But it's all Aaron. I mean, this is Aaron Rodgers. Like, <laughs> he's a star. They're doing it because of him. And he's the focus. But, but believe it. I can't believe the Jets wanted to do this, even with Aaron Rodgers on their team. I can't believe that. Nobody wants to do hard knocks. But they got him, and it'll be the Jets. It'll be the Jets on hard knocks, and it'll be Aaron Rodgers front and center, like him or not. And I think he'll be great. You know, he's entertaining. As I, I've said for three years, he's, his media with, it, with Pat McAfee is the most entertaining media in sports because they give him a leash, a long leash. Go as long as he wants, sit there and do it as long as he wants. No restrictions, no cutting to commercial. No one's saying he can't say anything. So that's where we are. Okay, next thing, uh, another thing about the NFL, and then we'll move to other sports. Monday is the franchise tag deadline day, uh, focusing on these three running backs, Josh Jacobs with the Raiders, Tony Pollard with the Cowboys, and most importantly, Saquon Barkley with the Giants. There's news that the Giants at one point offered – 12 and a half or 13 million a year, which means two years and we'll see 26 million, nothing to sneeze at 26 over two. Um, and he wanted 15 or 16, which is what McCaffrey makes. And there's been a stalemate since 
We haven't heard anything on negotiations about Jacobs or Pollard. The basic line is what I've been talking about for a month with running backs. They want to rent. You know, the teams want to rent. If they can get a good deal, they'll, they'll, they'll rent for two years instead of one. But if you see a long-term contract for Barkley or anyone else, I'd be shocked if there's a guarantee after year two, and in some cases even more than a partial guarantee in year two. So what we're going to see is it go down to the wire. I don't think Jacobs or Pollard sign. I think those teams will rent. They're better to rent with running backs. And Barkley, if I had to candy cap it, I'd say he likely is, plays on the tag too. Now he may threaten not to play, but of course he'll show up for whatever it is, $10 million. He's not going to turn down those checks come September, or maybe he will for a couple of weeks just to sort of see if anything changes. But can only do a one-year deal after July 15th. Um, maybe they'll sweeten it sometime after that. But that's where we are. Running back's the worst position in the league when it talks about financially. Um, I've written about it. I've talked about it. We all, you all know my feeling about being a running back in the NFL. You are severely disadvantaged way before you get to the NFL with this three-year draft eligibility rule. You are severely disadvantaged in the NFL because of these long rookie contracts at fixed and reasonable rates. And for the lucky few like McCaffrey and Derrick Henry that get the big contracts, at some point teams will be looking to get out of those too because of what goes on with later cap years and declining performance in late 20s even for running backs. So that's where we are. I think Saquon Barkley, if he can get 26 over two, take it because that's where it's going here. Uh, If they really offered that, would they offer it again? Again, that's what we're talking about with running backs. The market has been at this sort of 12 to 15 range forever, and only a few get that. Now, other positions, think about other positions. I mean, defensive ends are $28 million a year, and uh, receivers are high 20s. You know, receivers are two times the marketplace for the top running backs. How about that? So franchise tag, you know, people pay a lot of attention to it. I think these teams are set. Maybe not the Giants. We'll see. But, you know, they're going to rent. Why buy when you can rent these players? And the more usage, the less future value they have. So Josh Jacobs, I'm sure the Raiders will use them up this year. You know, what player is going to turn down carries? Of course. And if Barkley comes back for the year, they'll use them up. And, again, if they're not getting a long-term deal now, they're never going to get a long-term deal because they're only going to be – more tread on the tire later, more usage, less future value. Okay, let's move to college football. Big news out of Northwestern. This was a, I talked about being a star. Pat Fitzgerald, head coach at Northwestern University, was the shining star of that university athletic program. This is a guy who played for the university, who came back as the prodigal son to coach the football team who led them to new heights coming out of small Northwestern with powers like Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, et cetera, in the conference. Even though they had a down year last year, he's on a 10-year, $57 million contract. But alas, the Daily Northwestern reveals hazing allegations from former players and current players that are crude sexual nature and even some racist enabling a culture of racism. Now, listen, this is not, there's not direct evidence of Fitzgerald kind of running this, 
but there's a lot of evidence that he knew about it and or tolerated it and or encouraged it. Again, details are murky. What does Northwestern do? Well, first they convene a report, which is always convenient. They're paying for it. They want to find results that sort of are not too bad. And they give a two-week suspension to Fitzgerald, but the drumbeat reporting and social media attacks continue to the point where Fitzgerald is terminated. Well, not him, of course, just his contract. And of course, this leads to my saying, which is in full force here, there will be lawyers. Pat Fitzgerald has retained Winston and Strawn, one of the biggest law firms in the country, and he is fighting back. I would think he'd be fighting for the remainder of his contract, of course, because I'm guessing that Northwestern fired him for cause, with cause, meaning they don't owe him any more on the contract. That'll be fought. There'll be some defamation claims. There'll be all kinds of claims. This will be within lawyers' purviews for weeks, for months, perhaps for years. We'll see if there's some kind of settlement. But clearly one of Fitzgerald's point is, points is going to be, hey, you suspended me for two weeks. And by the way, two weeks in the summer, is zero suspension, like nothing's going on. There's no practice, players aren't around, there's not even training camp, so that meant nothing. But his point is going to be, hey, you suspended me for two weeks for the exact same thing you fired me for. And I know Northwestern is going to say where they found out new things, but did they really? That's what's going to be at heart of this litigation. And it is going to be a long, nasty, contentious litigation. I don't know what to say. The only thing I do want to say is that I don't know Pat Fitzgerald, but maybe the point is that maybe no one knows Pat Fitzgerald. He seemed above reproach. He seemed highest moral character. He seemed that poster boy for that morally uh, high ground coach. But we don't know. I've learned in my career with dealing with coaches and players, you just don't know, right? You think you know about people, but you just don't know. I had players on the Packers that I sent out there for community appearances. I thought they were the perfect role model for for kids, for people, for fans. And then I found out things. Same with coaches. Same with people in front office. You just never know. So I'm not saying this about Pat Fitzgerald. I don't know good. I don't know bad. I don't know him. I don't know people who know him. But I do know this. No one is as he or she appears all the time in the media. So that's Pat Fitzgerald. There will be lawyers, lots of them on both sides, on the NU side and, of course, on the Fitzgerald side. Okay, I just talked about the Daily Northwestern breaking that story about Pat Fitzgerald. Speaking of media, that was college media. Now we turn to the biggest media out there, which is New York Times. Well, they have shuttered their sports department, and this follows weeks ago, the LA Times, another one of the biggest print newspapers in the world, shuttering its sports department. Now, it's not closing it down for good. In terms of LA, they're still going to have scoreboard and scores and transactions, but no writing. And it appears the New York Times is now going to be outsourcing all that to The Athletic, which they bought 18 months ago for $500 million dollars. And then even when that happens 18 months ago, I said, there's got to be some duplication here because when you have a merger like that, there's duplication and there's deletions. 
Well, it looks like the New York Times Sports Department is really no longer. They're going to outsource it to non-union jobs at the athletic gig workers, if you will. And this is sad. It's a sign of the times, no pun intended. Media and sports media, I put them in the same category, are not what they used to be. Legacy media like the New York Times used to and still does for people like me, old guys, saying that's important, that gravitas matters. I'm not sure it matters for the masses. There are so many ways to get your news, so many ways to get your sports news at the drop of a hat, at the click, in an instant, rather than going for the big, credible name like the New York Times. And this is a sign of that. This is what is happening in sports media. Now, I'm with legacy media. I'm with Sports Illustrated. I've had many, many, (laughs) I don't sound like a bragging here, but I've had many opportunities to go elsewhere. The Athletic, of course, I wrote for them for a while. They still have tried to get me on board. Other outlets trying to get me to write for them. And I'm like, okay, well, I know Sports Illustrated is not what it once was, but I still have that feeling in myself where I was a kid growing up and I'd run to the mailbox every Thursday, I believe it was, to get my Sports Illustrated and get my hands on it, look in that front picture, the cover, and and read it cover to cover. And like, yeah, and that's who I've written for the past 10 years. Like I said, I know it's changed. The legacy media in that sense still matters to me, but not to a lot of people. And I have a lot of friends at New York Times, including some from Sports Illustrated that went over there. It's sad, uh, but it just shows you you've got to adapt. I mean, adapt or die, like Billy Bean said in the movie Moneyball, Brad Pitt said as his character, adapt or die. And that's where we are in sports, in sports management, sports media. There's so many, so much competition. And then on a personal note, what I try to be in sports media is different, unique. You know, and this is an advice to young people as well. Don't be like other people. You can look up to them. You can aspire to them. But as Kevin Kelly said, you know, be the only. That's the thing to be. Be the only. I try to be the only guy, only person that gives you this truly unique insight from an agent side, from a team side, from a professor side, from a legal side, from a business side, on, on front office side, what it's really like, what's behind the curtain, why are these things happening? Translate it for you, tell you about it. Break down complex topics in sports business into easily digestible information. Be that. And, and whatever your thing is, be it. Yes, you have to work hard. Yes, you have to keep up. But that's what you want to aspire to, because this is what's happening in sports media. You can find these things anywhere. I mean, can you imagine like AI is going to totally take over some of these things, which anyone can write. But you can be AI resistant by having special skills, by having unique insight, by having unique takes on things and not just the take of a guy sitting at a bar stool something credible, something unique. Anyway, I feel for the New York Times, but this is really just speaks so loudly to what has happened in this industry. Okay. Capitol Hill. We had hearings this week. 
on this golf merger yet to be named entity, uh, live PGA acquisition, merger, takeover, whatever you want to call it. Congress has entered the chat. They had a lot of questions about it, about the Saudis, about this is the sports washing, about taking over. We didn't learn a lot in this hearing other than the price of Liv's purchase, if you will, of the PGA Tour. We heard some comment about north of a billion dollars. Okay, we know that. We also heard testimony from PGA Tour board member uh, Jimmy Dunn, who seemed to have a lot of the negotiations on his plate, really saying that this is not an agreement. (laughs) What's come out of this is not an agreement. It's an agreement to have an agreement. So we're nowhere on details. What we know is that PJ is going on this summer, Liv's going on this summer. I'll be at the Liv event in a couple of weeks at the Greenbrier Resort. Check it out, see what it's all about. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't know much. We don't know much after the hearing. Jay Monahan, PJ Tour Commissioner, still on medical leave until next week, was not there. Yasir, excuse me, I don't know the last name, the PIF public investment fund governor from Saudi Arabia, he was not there. Maybe they'll testify at different times. Maybe Greg Norman will testify. Maybe Phil Mickelson will testify. But at this point, we still don't know much. We do know the enduring image to me is that this is a Saudi public investment fund entity. They are the sole investor and they have right of first refusal over new investors. That's what sticks out to me. We can hear all about PGA Tour Commissioner Monaghan and others having control. But we know, as Logan Roy says, it's the money. (laughs) The money wins. And the money is going to win here in terms of control and direction. So that's where we are. The Saudi Investment Fund. We know very little more from the hearing, but they did get into it. And there's antitrust, you know, competitive issues there. But I don't know where the competitive thing is going to go because golf before live was non-competitive. Where else were you going to play golf besides the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour? Um, And now it's not competitive again. It was competitive for a while, a year and a half with live, but now it's not competitive. So I don't know if they're going to get into that, Um, but it's interesting. Okay. My last thing is, (coughs) excuse me, I just want to let you know a couple of things I'm doing. Maybe you'll find it interesting. It just sort of came to me over the last couple of weeks. Number one, I'm going to be an expert witness in a case. I can't tell you the player or the team, but the player um, had a surgery that was botched, an ACL surgery, and he ended up having to have another ACL surgery. He basically was rehabbing the first one the whole year and realized there was something still in his knee. It was a botched surgery. And the issue is, what is his future value? I am hired to give future value estimations based on this player. And we are suing, not we, but my side that I'm testifying for is suing the insurance company to get paid or suing the rehab center that caused this injury and this need for a second ACL. The player did get a contract. And it, but it was a one-year deal, and he should, in in my expert opinion, have gotten a lot more money, uh, but for the botched surgery. So that's always interesting to me. I get those now and then. I get a lot of future value cases coming to me. I don't advertise for it. People come to me. I've been on both sides. I've testified on behalf of 
the player, as I'm doing now, but I've also testified on behalf of the insurance company or whatever defendant because I would look at a player and say, no, that player had no future earnings. He was already on the way downhill or he was a minimum player. He was special teams at best. He was not going to make more than a few hundred thousand left in his career, whatever it may be. And I've seen some ridiculous asks from players of future valuations of 30, 50, $100 million. And I've testified on the other side for that. So I am agnostic in terms of each side. I used to resist doing this because they didn't want to take a side. Then I was like, I'll do either side. You know, I'm an independent here. So I don't have to do the player side. I don't have to do the team side. I don't have to do either. So that comes to me. The other thing that came to me was, a father reached out about his son being drafted in the Major League Baseball draft this weekend that took place during the All-Star Game festivities in Seattle. And uh, I'm not a baseball guy, uh, but I looked at a couple contracts for him. One, the agent agreement he signed with the agency uh, and gave my opinion on that. And then the team contract. This, I won't tell you who and where he's drafted because I will keep his name confidential. But he was drafted relatively high in the draft, and uh, it's interesting reading a Major League Baseball contract, especially for a player that may go back to college and the tuition part and how that's taken care of uh, with those expenses. Uh, Interesting learning about bonuses beyond the first round in baseball and seeing how that works and slots and players being assigned to minor league or rookie league and what those rates are, which are really really uh, nominal compared to what we're used to in pro sports. But I enjoy doing these things now and then. And, um, you know, this is, again, um, I'm fortunate to have this life where I can pick and choose what I want to do and enjoy it. That's really I prioritize for things that give me agency, autonomy, and things that I enjoy in the use of my time. Speaking of which... That certainly is this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's unique for you. I hope it's something you listen to every week where you can get a half hour update on insights and perspective that may you may not find anywhere else. Share it with a friend. Leave us comments. Um, your Apple comments and rankings are really, truly appreciated if you would do that. Newsletter every week, andrew-brandt.com if you're not getting it already. I do the reels at andrewbrandt2 on Instagram. Of course, Andrew Brandt on Twitter <laughs> and a sneeze. <laughs> thanks to producer Jack Connell. Thanks to music producer, Sam Brandt. Thanks to you for listening. Always appreciate the kind comments you give about this podcast. Hope to keep it unique, keep it interesting keep it fun. Keep it exciting to listen to every week on your feed. Have a great week, everybody. I'll see you next week on the next edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt.